it now. Father, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, God, for your work in our lives and in our community and around the world through ministries such as the Gideons, Lord, and that. God, we can participate in any way. We bless the offering we receive, Lord, that it, the testaments that would go forth from, Lord, our, our giving would change more lives than we can begin to imagine. And, Lord, as we prepare ourselves to receive your word and your instruction this morning, move every hindrance, Lord, every distraction out of the way. Let us hear clearly what it is that you want to say unto the church, Lord, that we can be the people that you want us to be. We've come and we've We've taken the time, Lord, because we love you, because you've drawn us unto yourself. We've worshiped and we've praised. Now, Lord, incline our ear to hear your word. Let it enter our spirit, man, and provoke us to a higher work, a, a closer relationship with you, which will spawn closer relationships one with another. Lord, help us to cancel the work of the adversary on every hand. But he has no room to move. Because we know who we are in you and walk in the power and we walk in that authority. We walk in that understanding and the revelation that you are our God and you, we are your people. And you're concerned about everything that concerns us. So we thank you. Bless our children, Lord, that they will continue to hear and receive. Let their hearts, Lord, continue to be turned toward you. Cover them and guard them, Lord, from the, the sin, Lord, and the immorality that's all around us in the world today. Lord, they belong to you. And we lift them up before you right now. We give you honor and praise this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So we release our children and invite you to move up. Hallelujah. Come. My God. I receive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sick here, little Lord. I receive your gift. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Woo. I receive Thank you, Lord. Let everybody get situated. Y'all free to move on up and fill up some of these seats if you desire. And release the children. We release half the church. Man, as they go to their classes, we thank God for their instructors, man, and that they would incline their ear to hear the instruction that's being given unto them. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Serving a mighty good God. Amen. Just sitting there just watching and enjoying the presence of the Lord this morning. And y'all were fired up. Worship, amen. I said, come on. I said, y'all, we lift him up. But this morning, you know, I, I, you know, I'll be really praying, Lord, direction constantly. And, you know, I was just thinking earlier today that there's so much that, you know, I want to be able to impart and share to the body. It's just like, wow, how in the world can, you know, we, we get all of it, you know, in the shortest span of time. But I begin to think, you know, that this, you know, just in some of the things I'm, I'm studying and reading and 
you know, God is uh, along with all that he's putting in my heart. Amen. We, we could do this for another 20 years and not even begin to scratch the surface. Amen. Of all that, that, that God is doing and how he, it is that he functions. No, but I was doing some study in, in the book of Ephesians earlier this week, and I, I just love Ephesians. It's a powerful book. Amen. And, and there's a, some, some things in there I just want to share with you this morning. So if you return over to the book of Ephesians with me. Amen. Hallelujah. And like I say, amen, Pastor Linda, you know, she's exhorting. And she's all right in the lane where, you know, God has already taken me and, and just different prayers that have been prayed, things that have been said, amen, just confirming what is needed and where we are as a body in Christ right now. And I just thank God because, you know, I always believe that he has a way of confirming his word. And, you know, he says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, amen. So as, as we begin to look at this, amen, we've been talking about shifting and changing and, you know, our lifestyle and, and changes in the ministry, you know, and for a lot of people, change is uncomfortable. Amen? It, it can be challenging. You know, so there's certain places that I have to, you know, constantly go back and, and reiterate. It may seem, sometimes it just seems redundant. But, you know, one thing I've learned in my experience, amen, that it takes repetition to make change. Amen? The word says, faith cometh how? By hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we need to hear it over and over sometime to really grasp it and to get it in our spirit. Amen. If you know, that's, that's what we, I really, you know, believe that we must do. We must repeat it. We must cover it. We must get it down in our spirit so it becomes a part of who we are. Amen. And it takes that also to, in order to change deep-seated mindsets and behaviors and even to overcome certain traditions that we've learned, amen, that really don't line up with God's Word. Amen. Some traditions, I mean, I'm not throwing all tradition under the bus. Some traditions are good. Amen. As long as they don't go against God's Word. Amen. But when, when, they, when they go against God's Word, then we really got to begin to look at them and dissect them and see just what it is that the Word of God is truly saying in these areas of our lives or our thought patterns. So in order for that change to become effective, we need a greater understanding to override these previous things and previous thinking. Amen. As the Word lets us know in Romans, amen, in the fifth verse, the second part of the fifth verse, it says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Amen. And that takes a solid foundation. How many of us like solid foundation? Amen. We don't want a foundation even that's that's weak as water or we got no nowhere to go to back it up, but it sounds good. We've heard it forever and ever and ever, so it must be right. Man, I found in my experience again that, you know, there's things that I thought were right because it's what I heard over and over again. But then when I went to research it, when I went to dig out, you know, in the word of God, that's not what it said. You know, so I kind of had to change some thinking, amen, and to change some views. So I like to dig into the Word, amen, and see what it has to say, line upon line, precept upon precept, not taking one scripture and building a case, amen. There's, there's more than enough evidence in the Word, amen, so you can have a rock-solid case on whatever situation that arises. So we must examine. Now, we want to take a look at Ephesus. 
Amen. And, and before we even begin to read, just to get a, 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 a understanding, when we, you know, sometimes we look at, you know, these places that are spoken of in Scripture, and we don't just get, you know, we got a, a mind because we've seen the Bible stories, and we see sometimes we see Rome as a big empire. I received from Ignite Team. You know, when we see Rome as a big empire, but then sometimes when we hear about Ephesus or Corinth or, you know, different places, we see these little small villages, and we don't really see the magnitude of what is taking place in Scripture. Ephesus is one of those places that we can't allow our mind to see is small, because it was definitely not small. It was one of the ancient Greek cities, amen, and later on a major Roman city. You know, and during this time frame, amen, it was situated near what we call present-day Turkey. And during the, the Roman time period when, when Paul and the Corinthians, I mean, not the Corinthians, but the, the apostles were traveling through there, it, the population was anywhere between 33 and 56,000 people. That was a big metropolis back then. Amen. And in fact, it was one of the largest known cities at that time, only second to Sardis and Alexandria were the only other two cities in that region that was larger, amen, than Ephesus. So when he talks about Ephesus, it was a pretty good-sized city that they had to deal with. In fact, you know, it was important enough, amen, that, you know, Paul lived there for two years. And even as we read in the book of Acts in the 19th chapter, we see one of the conflicts he had with the artisans there, because their livelihood was coming from building statues unto Artemis, one of the gods in the temple of Artemis. So it was a lot going on there. In fact, when you read in the book of Romans, I'm mean, not Romans, but in Revelations, when we read when he begins to talk to the churches, the seven churches. Amen. Ephesus was the first church that he had to deal with. Amen. So even then, it was big enough and strong enough and important enough to be used as an example of and a model to us today when we read in God's admonition, amen. First, he recognized they're good, they're, they're focused. But then he told them, it's time for you to repent. You've left your first love. Repent and get back to your first works. Or I'll remove your candlestick. I mean, that's, that's Revelations, you know, 2, verses 1 through 7. He deals with Ephesus. Amen. So realizing that if we look at how he dealt with Ephesus, and he's speaking to even the church today, when we begin to lose our first love. He said, turn and get back to, to your first love. So just to give us some, some understanding when we talk about Ephesus. Amen. And even when Paul wrote unto Ephesus, he was imprisoned in Rome. But as we look at the first chapter in Ephesus, starting at verse number one, and I, wanna, I just want to read this in our hearing this morning. Amen, because there's a lot, like I said, in it that we're going to try to pull out. So bear with me. Amen. See, Paul, an apostle, starting at first, verse number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. I like that part. 
And then he says, Blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And Pastor Lewis was talking about living holy. Amen. And that's why God chose us, amen, so that we would be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse number six, to the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us acceptable, I mean accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his glory, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure and which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, in whom also we obtain an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in which also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, the redemption of the until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wow. Said a lot. Did y'all catch it? Did y'all get it? And I get what? What are you talking about? There's a whole lot in there. But as I, I read that, I was like, you know, and I, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm reading and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, Speak, Lord. And certain, a certain phrase just jumped out at me constantly. And it just drew my attention in, amen, unto this passage of Scripture. Amen. As he began to talk about all that he did for his will, his purposes, his glory, amen. But that wasn't really the phrase. Because, you know, this is one of my favorite passages, amen, after the counsel of his will, amen. He predestinated us. He had a purpose, amen, in mind, before we were even born, amen, and there's a course that he has already determined for us. But as we begin to look at this passage, look at verse number 6, if you will. You know, he says this particular phrase three times, amen. But in verse number 6, it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, to the praise of of the glory of his grace. And then in verse number 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. And then in verse number 14, he says, which is the earnest 
of our inheritance, talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to deal with that because I love that part too, until the, redemp- until the redemption of the purchased possession, that would be who? Us. Unto the praise of his glory. Now that phrase, to the praise of his glory, grabbed my attention. I began to say, okay, Lord, what did, when you say to the praise of his glory, this intrigued me. Maybe you don't look at things like I do, but, you know, it began to intrigue me when it's talking about the praise of his glory. He called us to himself. He made us a purchased possession. He, he's done all these things. Amen. He predestinated us, all that he talked about in those first 14 verses, but he kept driving home the point. This is to the praise of his glory. It's not about me. Although I, 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 I walk in and I receive the benefit, amen, of being called to him and made his own, amen, but it's still for the praise of his glory. I said, wow, okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me dig a little deeper here and, and wrap my mind around this. Now, go with me, if you will, amen. Hallelujah. Now, let's not go there yet. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Amen. But when we talk about now the praise of his glory, that word praise there, it takes the praise to a whole nother level. It's not the, 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 the type of praise that we, as we had praise and worship this morning. Amen. But this is a praise that's specifically set apart, not just in singing, but it's a, a deep-rooted praise only unto God. This type of praise you can't give to man. You know how we praise our children or we, we praise, you know, our employees or, our, you know, we praise people for what they do. That don't even begin to qualify. This is a praise that comes from the deep-seated root of our heart, the deep-seated root of understanding of who he is, and it's because of him that we, we do what we do. When we begin to look at it, it denotes a, a commendation, a, a praise, amen. It, it's, and it says this, it says, it's done on account of or by reason of who, as God's heritage, talking about us, the praise is to be ascribed to God. In other words, when, when, when people see us or they see you living for God, loving on God, and not just through your words, but through your conduct, through your response, through your love, through your action, amen, they can't but give glory to God. He's being glorified because of his glory showing up in us by his grace. It's not something that we can manufacture. It's not something that we can pretend in order to invoke this kind of praise to God. It's when your child has been killed and you can earnestly go and say, I forgive the person responsible without trying to be convoluted, but because you're sincere. It's the kind of praise that you give when, when your enemy comes against you and yet you love them like Stephen did while they were stoning him. And he was able to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, while they're coming against him, his concern was not about himself. 
but it was about those that were wronging him. See, for us, someone's wronging us. We're looking to get them. We want to defend ourselves. We want God to get them. But when this kind of living shows up, when this kind of response shows up, they can't do nothing but praise God. Because they know this ain't you. Because they know this is not how man responds. Maybe they know your history. Maybe they know your past. And when the, the true God in you shows up, they can't do nothing but give praise to God. They know in times past, you might have been the one to cuss them out. You might have been the one ready to throw some hands. But because you've had an encounter with God, and now you've chosen to let the grace of God rise up in you. Amen. They know it's because of him and not because of you. And they begin to give him glory and give him praise, realizing that, wow, he or she is truly a child of God. So when we read that, understand when he says we do these things unto the praise of his glory, amen, we begin to understand I want God to show up in my life. I want God to be recognizable in me. I want people to see more of God in action than me in action. They haven't seen enough of you. Hallelujah. And I know they've seen enough of me in times past. So, so they need to begin to see God's response. And I'm not just talking about in church. Hallelujah. See, we got some choices to make. And we have to make those choices every day, no matter what our circumstances are. Amen. We can choose to do it our way, or we can choose to do it God's way. We can choose to get out the way, amen, or we can choose to stay in the way. Hallelujah. So now we become the stumbling block. Now we become the problem. Amen. It says that because of his character and the operation of his spirit showing up in us, they recognize it's him. I want God's character. Amen. I want, I want his spirit operating in me. Amen. So now it, it becomes evident, amen, because of the exposition of his character. Amen. How he operates, how he responds, how he loves, amen, how he chooses to forgive me. I choose to forgive others. Then they begin to say, wow, I know I wronged her, but she still said she forgave. And she never, ever brought it up. Again, how many times have we chosen to be mad at somebody? Don't tell on yourself. Just talk to yourself. How many times have we chosen to do what we felt like doing in spite of what we knew Jesus would do? Because it didn't line up with our feelings. It didn't line up with our flesh, our emotions. Hallelujah. I want us to think about this. Amen. Because as he talked to him in, in verses 12 and 14, amen, it helps us to understand that the whole company is viewed as God's own possession. We are his. Just tell somebody next to you, you belong to God. Hmm? Hallelujah. We, we like to, we like to, I'm my own person. I'm grown. The kids ain't in here. I'm three times seven, most of us. Amen, at least. 
you know, and I'm my own person. I can do what I want, when I want, how I want, right? I mean, let's be real. You're grown. Can't nobody tell you what to do. Right? Oh, see, y'all acting on me this morning. Huh? I mean, you, you, you get up in the morning, you brush your own teeth, you go to your job, uh, you decide how you want to spend your money and where you want to spend your time and who you want to hang out with. Amen? Don't, don't we? Y'all don't want to talk to me this morning. Huh? Y'all, y'all, y'all just don't want to talk. But see, I, I'm trying to help us to see there's a huge difference and, and being our own person, and recognize that I'm God's possession. See, a lot of times, you know, when it really comes down, we don't like to think about being somebody's possession. You know, I, I tell husbands all the time, she don't belong to you. Ain't no possession. You ain't no property. But when it comes to God, that's exactly what we are. I say we. You know, we're God's property. Amen. We are his purchased possession. If you proclaim to be a child of God. Amen. Now, I'm talking to the Christians in here, okay? I, I, I do it like that. If you proclaim to be a child of God and you say you, here it comes, gave your life to Christ. See, I'm, I'm helping us think about those, 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 those adjectives that we use, you know, because you know, we, we make these things, but then when it comes time for the owner to say how he wants his property to function, then we have a problem with that functionality because we still have this thing called what? Our own will. See, and that, that, that becomes the, the, the issue that we have to overcome. Now, now, I believe that God can help us to overcome our own will if he so desires. Many of us that know that we found ourselves in situations in time past where, you know, he can squeeze on you a little bit. You know right? I mean, he, he can corner you. He can get you the way you'll make the right decision. You know, but see, God don't want to have to force us. I mean, he don't want no robots that he has to manipulate a man to do his will. He wants us, in, whether, no matter where we are or what the situation is, when there's nobody else around to bring accountability in our life, that we will make the right choice because we know we belong to him. And we want him to be glorified out of our lives. You know right? So we, we begin to look, amen, and, 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 and have to really examine ourselves and choose, amen, that I want to live a life that is pursuing God. Now, see, if we be honest and admit, you know, to ourselves, amen, most of us, amen, we, we pursue some sort of acceptance, some acknowledgement, approval, or some kind of reward in our lives. Amen. We, we go to work because we want to be paid. Amen. And not only do we want to get paid, we want the promotion. We want the pat on the back. Amen. We want our family to acknowledge that we're successful. Amen. We, we, we want the acceptance of family and friends. Amen. We, we want, you know, these things. Amen. So, so oftentimes we, we, we pattern our lives and we aim our lives at those goals. Amen. So that we can achieve those things and, and it makes us feel better about ourselves. Isn't that right? 
So, so we're, we're shooting after something. You ain't just living and don't want nothing in return. You, you want some kind of reward. You want some kind of acknowledgement. Amen? You want to be able to have a house to go home to. You want to be able to have a little money in your pocket and a little money in the bank. And, you know, you want to have some friends that acknowledge that you are worthwhile, you're a good person. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. That's understandable. Amen. We, we, we aim our goals in school or college or career or, you know, and, and these are the things that motivate most people and drive most people, amen, seeking after those things. And when we don't get those things, we feel so hurt, so disappointed, so rejected and dejected, amen. They don't even acknowledge how hard I work or what I do, amen, and they just abuse me and they just want more and, you know, they don't appreciate me. I don't get no promotion. So then we, we back off and we do less. Amen. These things govern our attitudes and our disposition. Amen. Because what we're shooting for, we don't get. We don't get the honor. We don't get the respect. Amen. So we just kind of start shutting down. Hello. You know, so if we don't get it now, now I'm going to find somewhere else to work. I'm going to find somebody else to talk to. I'm gonna, you know, we, we, we go down these roads because we want that warm fuzzy. I told y'all y'all want to talk to me this morning. Huh? That ain't nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But I'm here to challenge you this morning. To aim a little higher. Because how many of us have been disappointed in our pursuits in life? Amen? And even when we've achieved, there's always been some types of disappointment in those pursuits. Amen? People are going to let you down. The company going to let you down. The friends going to let you down. The relatives going to let you down. The, the, the college career is going to let you down. The greed going to open every door. You know, so, so even those things that sometimes we aim for just aren't high enough. Amen? So this morning I want to challenge us. Amen. And that is to live a, God, a life aimed at God. Not aimed at a career. Although we have careers. Not aimed at that single relationship. You know, whether it's our kids, parents, spouses. No, not, not, not aimed looking for our gratification to come from those things. Because we know that they will fall short. We know the government will shut down. Hello, the paychecks will stop flowing from time to time. Everybody's not going to always see you as the hero. You ain't always going to get the warm fuzzy from those. So when we aim for those things and we don't get those things, we find ourselves let down. We find ourselves disappointed. Amen. And the worst part of it all is that when we aim for those things, we miss God. Hallelujah. So if we decide to change our aim, you know, I always just have a saying that tell you, if you, you know, many of y'all heard it before and heard it in different places, but if you shoot for the moon, you'll at least clear the barn. Amen? So if you aim high, you're going to overcome a whole lot of other stuff. So if we begin to aim our lives at God, we're going to be able to overcome a lot of these other issues in life. 
that seem so debilitating at times, that they just kind of, you know, mess us up if that's all our hope lies in. But if we strive to live a life aimed at God, just imagine for a moment with me, if you will, how different things would be if every thought, every action, every response, every plan, every move, every decision that you make was done with glorifying God in mind, how much things would be different in our lives. Everything that we do, how can I glorify him? Will this glorify him? Will this magnify him? Will God remember I we're here for what? The praise of his glory. So, so if we really take that on board and realize that, you know what? My whole utter existence, now that I understand that I'm his possession, he died to purchase me, amen, to include me in, in, in his arsenal that he can use in the earth to magnify him and to represent the kingdom of God. I am here for that purpose and that purpose alone. How can I do everything that I do to bring glory to his name? That includes Loving my wife when she's getting on my nerves. Loving my husband when he's spending too much money. Hello. Getting along with that coworker when they, I know they're gossiping about me. Just walking in there and blessing them anyway. The one that stirs up all the mess. Just, just give them a nice bouquet of flowers or buy them a nice Christmas gift that you will want for yourself. Hello. I said, no, that's going too far, huh? No, it's not. See, these are the things that set us apart. I mean, anybody can act like the world. Anybody can respond in ways that glorify themselves. I ain't going to take this. They ain't going to treat me like this. I'm going to get even. That ain't nothing but flesh, child of God. That ain't nothing but, but you child of God, and you're not here to defend yourself. He is your vindicator. Amen. He is the one that we're here to glorify. But as long as we let ourselves get in the way, we miss God. We got to check ourselves. We got to come to a place to realize that, you know what, I, yeah, I can satisfy myself. I can do this and I can do that. You know, oftentimes we, we make decisions and we don't calculate anything or anybody else, especially God. I go to church, and I, I might tithe, and I give a little offering, and I'll, I'll serve in this ministry or that ministry, but the rest of the time is mine. The rest of my life and my day and my week is mine. And I do what I want to do, and they better not say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. Do what you got to do. You know why? Because we all got to answer to him. And, you know, we got to come to the place to realize when he said, when I said that I gave my life to him, I really had to work on giving my life to him. Huh? You hear what I said? I'm not talking about you. Maybe it was easy for you. Maybe you're all the way there. Amen. But I had to really work on giving my life to him. Not just my Sunday. Not just Wednesday. Huh? But, but giving my entire life to him, my actions, my thought life. Huh? Giving my whole life to him, bringing every thought under the captivity of Christ. Striving to do everything that would line up with his will, 
That's what we are called to do, Christians. Child of God, you don't have no me time. Oh, my goodness. I know I'm stepping on some toes now. I just want to do me. I know what's in here. Huh? It's all about me. Me, myself, and I. We decided. If you really, I'm I'm just, I'm going to mess with y'all real good right now. If you're really a child of God, you ain't got no me time. It's all about him. Now, that's not to say you don't have time that you can relax and sleep. But see, what I'm saying with a me time, you can't separate your actions and your thoughts, your decisions from his will. Because the minute you do, you become a house divided within yourself. And what did he tell him? What did, what did, what did Jeremiah tell him? I mean, not my, he said, if God be God. That's what Joshua. He said, if God be God, serve him. But if Baal. Now, I'm going to mess with y'all some more. But if Devante. But if James, but if Linda, but if Marlon, then serve him or her. We've got to decide who it is that we're going to serve. And oftentimes we don't realize or think about it in this, this magnitude but we can get so engrossed in serving ourselves, our desires, our needs, our feelings, our wants, that we don't stop and consider what God wants out of your life, what God wants out of that situation, how we're magnifying and glorifying him. I'm here to provoke us this morning. I didn't come to make you shout. Huh? But I, I come to make us think about every thought and every action and who it is that we really belong to in the big scheme of things. How many of us created ourselves? Wow. Nobody? So, now, I want to just throw this in there. See, if you took time out to make something, you know what you made it for. Right? It didn't have no idea. It, was, it didn't know if it was in the world or out of the world. But you know why you created it. You had a purpose for it in the plan. And I know in Jeremiah, I mean, he said, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. Good end. All that. But see, so if we realize that God created us, then he has a purpose for us. And then when we've looked at it in Ecclesiastes, he said the whole duty of man as well. Amen. Love God and keep his commandments. Our whole duty is to serve him. That's his whole purpose. In fact, it says this is the, here the conclusion. Summing it all up, this is the conclusion of the whole matter. You're here for this purpose. If you think anything else, you missed it. Period. If you think it's about you, you missed it. Period. If you think it's about serving your wife, your husband, your children, you missed it. Now, if you serve God, you'll know how to serve your wife. You'll know how to serve your children. You'll know how to honor your parents. You know how to do these things because you're doing it all as unto God. 
And that eliminates so many of our issues. Amen. Just think about, you know, when, when, when we don't focus and make sure every purpose, every thought, every plan is aimed at pleasing God, then we leave room for our feelings, our emotions, our past hurts, our disappointments, you know, all that human stuff. You know, that's only there, amen, along with everything else. They become distractions that get us off course and off focus, amen. And now I find i got to repent. i got to get back close to God because I don't let all this stuff come in. Or just maybe, maybe it's just one thing that got you off. Just one wrong thought that got us off course. But how far can the one thought take us if we're not careful? If we're not focused and striving to live according to him. We ain't got time for no distractions in this life. Amen. Life is short. Amen. And it's not tomorrow's not promised to me or you. Amen. So we, we don't got time. You know how they keep saying, you know why I got time for that? Just tell the person next to you, you ain't got time for that. You ain't got time for no distractions. Huh? You just don't, you don't, you don't, you don't come on. We let all these things come and they distract us and next thing we know, mm, we are out of sorts with God. And then we, we look for somebody to blame it on. Hello. And we spend years blaming this one, that one, they, you know, and, and, and one thing I, I, I see, the blame game never gets the blamer ahead. You know, the blame game just kind of keeps us stuck right where we are. You know, so you know, when it really comes down to it, we got to decide that what people do, people going to do. Right? I mean, it, it, let's, let, let's face it. But now what you do is up to you. Right? So whatever I choose to do in spite of what's been done to me, I'm responsible for. And I can't go before the judge and say, Judge, I shot him because it was talking about me. And it just said, okay, I understand. Case dismissed. You can't go before the judge and say, you know what, you know, I, I libeled them and I slandered them, you know, because they got in my stuff and they got in my space. Come on, come on y'all. See, see, we have got to take full responsibility for our actions. Now, I might understand why you got there. What might have drove you to make a bad decision, but still the fact is you made a bad decision. Well, well but, 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 but Pastor David, there's, there's mitigating circumstances. Isn't that right? If your decision results in sin, the only thing that mitigates that is the blood of Jesus. That's it. And if
If you don't get that sin under the blood, you will be held accountable. That sin might be something as simple as unforgiveness. I'm just trying to help us this morning. Oh, see, see I, I made a pledge years ago. I'm going to make it as hard as I can for anybody to go to hell and live in faith. Huh? That means get the word, and now we got to choose what we're going to do with that word. Galatians 2 and 20 says this, talking about living a life aimed at God. 2 and 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, by the faith of the Son of God, not my own, but by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, he said, I surrender my life. It's not me no more, but it's him that lives in me. I want to let Christ be seen. I want to let Christ rise. I want to let him be magnified. I want to aim my life, amen, so that everything I do, amen, lines up with the faith of the Son of God. Look at 2 Corinthians. I, I could hang out there for a long time. But 2 Corinthians 5 and 14 says this. 14th and the 15th verse. He said, For the love of Christ constrains us. Wow. Are we constrained by his love? That means he's got a hold of me. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all died. Then we're all dead. That means we should have died with him when we say, I give my life to him. And he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. He said he died for you, amen. You accepted him as Lord and Savior, amen. We say we lay down our life, we give our life to him, so henceforth I don't live no longer for myself. Because I know that, you know, myself should be dead. Or if I keep living for myself, myself going to die eternally. But if I live for him, amen, then it turns everything around. Wow. I, I, I like that because it lets me know that there's hope beyond this life. There's this hope, amen, that, that because I, I live my life for him, I constantly, constantly have to keep everything in check. You know, when, when, when the flesh wants to rise and when, when feelings or emotions want to take over, amen, we have to make a choice. We say, no, I'm not going that way. I'm, I'm choosing not to be angry. I choose love over anger. I choose obedience over disobedience. I choose temperance over losing control. Amen. I, I choose these things. Why? Because I want to glorify God. Amen. So he's letting us know that now if we live, if we know that we live for Christ, amen, that, that we, we live only by the will of God, according to the will of God. Now, see, we, we know Christ lived, isn't that right? Amen. And that scripture that we just looked at lets us know, amen, that he lived only for the will of God and for the purposes of the kingdom. Amen. And now, so if that means if we're like him, if we're trying to be like him, we should only what? Be living for the will of God 
in the purposes of the kingdom. And how, how we can participate in that, how we can be used for that, how we can be a part of that, whether on our jobs, in our homes, in the supermarket, wherever we might be. How am I living for the purposes of God? How am I living for the kingdom? How am I representing him right now when I'm in the store and I'm going off? Hello. And I don't know about you, but I've had people walk up to me and say, I don't know from Adam. And then, hi, Pastor Dave, how you doing? I mean, uh, now see, imagine if I just go anywhere. I mean, I'm not just, not just talking here in Oak Harbor. And my wife would tell you, I, I might be shopping in Burlington somewhere, Mount Vernon. And, you know, I've had people walk up to me in Safeway over Mount Vernon and, and, and call me by name. And I don't know them. I don't, I just, see, we got to represent him at all times. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe everybody don't see you because you're not like I am, but still, we need to represent him, amen, at all times in everything that we do, living a life aimed at God. I mean, that's, that's, that's our goal. Go with me over to Philippians. Let's look at what Paul said to the Philippian church, the Apostle Paul, as he was, he was speaking to them, amen. Philippians 9, 1, verse 9 through 11 says this. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in the knowledge, in knowledge, excuse me, and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruitfulness of righteousness, fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, and then look what he said, unto the glory and praise of God. To do these things unto the glory and the praise of God. In other words, live a life without offense. Be sincere. Approve things that are excellent. I mean, don't, don't be just agreeing with craziness. Don't come to you with some junk. Don't, don't co-sign it. Oh, yeah. You mean cosign? Well, you go to agreeing with them. Yeah, they shouldn't have said that. Yeah, girl, she should fix her hair. You know, I mean, it's just, just crazy stuff. Let, let alone talking about, you know, more important things. But but we gotta watch what we agree with. We gotta watch, you know, what we put our seal of approval on. Why do people come to you with their mess? I say I'm gonna say something here kind of graphic. But see, when my stomach starts grumbling, there's a certain place I go because I know it'll receive it. Hello? So why do they bring that mess to you? I'm just saying. You don't want to be nobody's toilet. We got to say, uh, don't bring it this way. Huh? If you come to me, I'm just going to pray on you. Huh? See, that's why a lot of... Everybody's looking at me crazy, man. But I want us to understand. We're talking about living a life aimed at God. I don't know why they brought it to me. Well, one of two reasons. They want correction or they want 
agreement. Which one are you giving them? Hmm? You know, sometimes a child hollers for a whooping. Other times they just want somebody else to get in the cookie jar with them. Hello, so they don't feel guilty all by themselves. And then when they get caught, it wasn't me. We did it. You know, so they can, they can share the blame. Huh? Hello. They, they feel better. You know, misery love company. You know, it, it don't feel bad when you're sitting together. We was all doing it. It must have been right. It must be okay. You know, no, see. Hello. I, I'm, I'm trying to help us. He said, but that ye may approve things which are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, filled with the fruits of right unto the glory of the praise and praise of God. That's the life that we live when we live in a life aimed at God, a life to please him, a life to magnify him. Well, see, we, we, that's the results we want. Amen? And that's manifested, amen, by the power of God, the presence of his spirit. You know, when we was looking all the way back in, in Philippians when he was talking, I mean, Ephesians. Hallelujah. One thing I, I, I want to dig into just a, a little bit here. Mm, mm, mm. And he talked about, in verse number 14, Ephesians 1 and 14. Remember I told you we want to deal with that, that, that earnest of the inheritance? I like that because the word earnest there actually means, you know, that earnest, that, that down payment of the inheritance. And when he talks about, you know, he talks about the earnest, a lot of places he talks about we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Isn't that what it says? You know, in verse number 13, uh, after we trusted him for our salvation, whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with the with the Holy Spirit of promise, amen. He says that's the earnest, amen. When you buy a house, amen, you put down a down payment and you put it in escrow and that's the earnest money saying this, I'm sincere, I'm serious about this purchase, amen, but not until you're ready to pay the full price and commit to the whole contract do you receive the possession. And he's talking about, amen, which is the earnest, amen, which is the earnest of our inheritance. That's just the down payment, amen. We thought the Holy Ghost was something. That's just the down payment, and, and, and when you look at it, you know, in, in the Greek, it also talks about that uh, 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 an engagement ring is the earnest of the promise. So when, he, when you get a Holy Ghost, when he gave you the Holy Ghost, he just put an engagement ring on your face. Just wait till we get married. Just wait till I can take you home. And you can inherit everything that I have. See, that, that earnest, amen, but you ain't going to get that if you're not living a life aimed at him. Can you imagine putting an engagement ring on somebody's finger? Now you look around there on social media talking to everybody else. Every time you try to call them, they'll answer your phone. Amen. Every time you look around, they ride in the car with some other dude. Hello. They're living all kinds of ways, dressing all kinds. Now, I'm just trying to, you know, help us to, 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 to see what we're saying. When God gives you the earnest, when he puts that ring on your finger, amen, when, when he says this is the title, you know, ooh, this is the promise that goes beyond this that he has in store. But you've got to keep your eye on him. 
You got to keep your heart turned toward him. You got to continue to believe him because he said what? Uh, because of until the redemption of the purchased past tense possession. Remember, I told you we were a possession. He paid the price already on Calvary. He purchased our salvation. Amen. He purchased that relationship, and he's just coming back over here. Now we can either choose to participate, surrender. And, and live a life that's aimed toward him that purchased us. Or we can choose to do another thing. Amen. And operate in a whole other way. Go to Romans 2 with me. we almost there. Hallelujah. Mm. Because something happens, amen, when we start living a life to glorify God. We start living a life to to honor him, amen, and aim toward him, God in turn starts honoring us. You know, and he, he's able to bestow more things upon us, amen. As Pastor Lewis was talking about, just one of those blessings, the health and the strength, the, you know, the finances, amen, the relationships, amen, you know, the, the promotions. He, he, he begins to, you know, he's able to show his favor you know, I think about what it said about Jesus, amen, as he grew. The Bible said he grew in the favor of God and man, amen, because he was doing Father's will, amen. So I believe that as we live like Jesus, we will grow in favor with God and man because God is willing to know he, 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 he'll give us favor in the presence of our enemies, amen. But in Romans 2, the, the 28th and 29th verse, it says this. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. And I'm passing it was all over this this morning. Somebody not the outward. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in spirit, in the spirit, and not in the letter. And look what it says. Who... Praise is not of men, but of God. See, when you start living right, God will send praise your way. Huh? But now, I, you know, I, I looked at that passage and you say, well, I'm not a Jew. What has that got to do with me? So, so I kind of restructured that, those two scriptures, to kind of bring it home to us. Amen. So if you allow me the liberty this morning, amen, to read it, the, the DBJ version. Amen? It's not King James, it's D.B.J. See, he is not a Christian, which is one outwardly only. Neither is that righteousness, which is just an outward show in the flesh. But he is a Christian, which is one inwardly first. And righteousness is that of the true heart and in the spirit, which is not in the letter or lip service whose praise is not of men, but of God. Other words, you can't pretend. You can, you know, you, you can pretend this thing, but you ain't real. And God knows you ain't real. You kind of feel, I mean, let's, let's, let's be real. You can roll up in here and you, you'd be good enough to fool yourself and come in and, and fool Pastor David and fool everybody else. And they say, ooh, look at that brother. Look, ooh, they just up there worshiping, got their hands up. All outwardly. 
while yet inwardly full of lies and deceit and, and dead man's bones. And which one do you think God sees? And which one do you think God going to deal with? But see, if it's an inward job, you know, it's got to be an inside job. It begins in the heart, and when it's in the heart, it's going to be manifested clearly and sincerely on the outside. It's not forced. It's natural. Amen. And therein we receive the praise of God, and we ain't even worried about the praise of man. Sometimes we do it just so man can pat us on the back. So just so, so man can say how good a Christian we are, how faithful we are, and how, how strong our worship was. Amen. And then you got your reward already. Hello. But when you do it as unto God, you ain't worried about whether someone pats you on the back, whether they see you, whether they hand you a tissue because they see you emotional. You know, you're not, you're not worried about all that because it's not an outward show. It's an inward relationship with God, amen, because your heart is churned, it's gripped, and what he said, it's constrained by him to live a life that praises him, no matter what our external circumstances are, if I die, let me die with a heart praising God. If man reject me, it's okay, as long as I know I'm accepted in the beloved. Hello? But sometimes we get backward, and I'm here to caution us. I'm here to provoke us this morning. Let's not let's, let, let's not get this thing all mixed up. Uh, let, let, let's not get how, how the saying go. Don't get it twisted, huh? Although everybody think you the greatest thing since sliced bread, huh? You know, one thing I, I realized that you know the word of God is the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And he said his word will accomplish what he sends it forth to do. So that lets me know I've seen sinners convince people to get saved in my life. And they just can continue on sin. Huh? And that doesn't change the, the, the purity and the, 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 the strength of that person's salvation. You know, God can use anybody. To do anything at any time. Why do you think the Bible tells us that there'll be certain ones that stand before him and say, Lord, didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't I heal the sick in your name? Didn't I do this in your in that in you? Because his name is powerful. But then his response to them was, What? Depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah, exactly. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. See, my word did what it did, but your life didn't line up. So I never had a relationship with you. Huh? See, so don't, 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 don't get it turned around. It takes a relationship. It takes a life well lived as unto God to, to, really have that relationship that we really need to have with him. A couple more scriptures and I'm closing. I think y'all y'all about ready to get up out of here. So let's look at 1 Corinthians. Because I'm not here, you know, I'm, I'm here to challenge this, but I'm not here to presume to, to judge any man's relationship with God. That's between you and God. I mean, the word and the spirit itself judges enough. 
Amen. If it says thou shalt not lie and you're lying, you've already been judged. <laughs> you say thou shalt not steal and you're stealing, you've already been judged. I mean, that's not coming from Pastor David. You know, don't ain't calling me a liar, are you? Worse here, you know. You know, I mean, so I'm not here to judge nobody. You say, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. And if you're doing it, then guess what? The word judges all by itself. But in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 5, it says, this, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light. She even talked about this this morning. <laughs> he said, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness. That the light going to be turned on. And will make manifest or make known the counsel, counsels of the heart. What is it you really think? You know, after the counsel of his own will, I mean, he predestinated us. What's your counsel telling you? And you counsel it with yourself. He said, he'll make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Hallelujah. Or correction. Whatever the case might be. But he said, we don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about trying to judge this or judge that. Like I said, the Word does that. The Spirit does that. And this is no ultimately in the end, God's going to judge it all. Amen? But it behooves us to begin to consider our way. Consider our focus. Personally. As we live a life that's aimed toward God. It's not aiming toward these things that don't satisfy. Aiming toward these things that will ultimately let us down. Aiming toward things that, you know, sometimes, you know, I say let us down, but sometimes, you know, we, we might strike some success. And then what happens? Those things lift us up. Just like Lucifer got lifted up and he got out the will of God. See, our focus has got to be on God so that whether we have failure, whether we have distress, whether we have success and blessing, it still doesn't change our focus which is on God. We know how to call on him in trouble, and we know how to praise him in blessing. We know how to give him the glory in all things, amen, and depend on him in the struggles. Because our focus, we live in a life aimed at God, and God alone It's not man. It's not about the, the surroundings around us, but we can cast all our cares on him when we're in that kind of relationship with him. Man, we don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to fight and struggle and, you know, have all the, 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 the stress that comes, amen, from trying to achieve something, amen, that will perish with the using. Relationships that won't last forever. Go with me the last scripture I have for you, amen, in Jeremiah. The ninth. Verses 23 and 24 says this. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorious glory in this, that he understands and knoweth me, that I, the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. 
Don't get caught up in yourself. Don't get caught up in the world around you. But let's, let's glory in God. Let's live a life that's focused and directed and aimed toward Him. And all these other things, amen, as they come, praise be to God. When the blessings come, praise be to God. When the struggles hit, praise be to God. Huh? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Who would that say that? Job? Huh? He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He He lived a life aimed at God even in his struggles. And because he didn't waver, because he didn't turn to the left or to the right, God blessed him in his latter days. His latter days were, were, were better than his former days. All that he lost, amen, he received double for. You know, you know how they say, double for your trouble? Job received double for his trouble because he stayed focused on God. His life, his story doesn't tell us everything is going to be easy and it's going to be a flowery bed of roses. Amen. No more than Joseph's life tells us it was all going to be easy. But because they stayed focused, they lived a life focused on God. The blessings that came. But he had to, he had to prepare them. He had to equip them. He had to allow them to be tried through the crucible of life before he could allow them to walk in the blessings of heaven of his eternal glory, amen, that he's able to pour on right here in, in this present world. Don't get caught up in your strength, your wisdom, your knowledge, your might, your wealth. Stay focused on God. Let's stand. Let's continue to believe him, to trust him, and stand upon his word. That's where our blessings really come from. You know, and I found, amen, that, you know, when struggles come, and believe me, I've had my fair share, and I'm not asking for any more, amen, but God's will be done. But I know that the one thing that helped me, even in the midst of my struggle, was staying focused on God. In the pain of life, in the pain, you know, of, of circumstances, staying focused on God is the only thing I know to this day that got me through. He gives us the strength and he builds our character, amen, through the tough times. We can't bail out and think we're going to swim to land because why? All that belongs to him too. (laughs) So we might as well stay in the boat, stay in the crucible and keep on trusting. Nothing befalls you as a child of God that he don't know about. Nothing. Just tell somebody right quick, nothing surprises God. Mm-mm. It might surprise you. You might wonder, God, do you know what's going on? He knows. And he's just saying, just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. When trouble comes, don't think he don't already know. He saw it coming before it hit you. That's why we got to constantly stay in relationship. That's why we got to constantly stay focused. Amen. So even when it hit us, it don't knock us over. Oh, we might bend with the wind sometimes, but that's all right. The scripture tells me, amen, that a good man falls seven times. 
Huh? But the key is getting on back up again. I rise again. Huh? I'm not staying down. Maybe the devil might blindside me. Because I didn't see it coming, but my daddy saw it coming. And, and he said he's not going to put any more on me than I'm able to bear. He ain't going to let it take me out. He's going to let it be stronger. If it don't kill you, it make you better. Isn't that right? Everybody don't agree with that. but Huh? It adds to your wisdom and knowledge based on don't go down that road again without checking first. Don't go there without praying first. Huh? Stand on his word. Stand on his will. So I just want to pray. That we individually check our focus. Check and see what it is that we're aiming at. And if it's not God, we need to recalibrate our life, our focus, our purpose. So that we are aimed at God and God alone. Because all these things... These distractions, these emotions, and these feelings that, that get us off track. We still got to answer for our choice in the midst of all that. We cannot escape it unless we aim at God. He's the one that's going to get us through. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I call upon you right now. I thank you. Lord, for the sobriety of your word, God, as it comes to check us and to challenge us, Lord. Speak to each and every one under the sound of my voice right now. And if there be those that need to lay things down, Lord, they are invited to come to the altar. Lay those concerns, lay those issues, lay those struggles down, Lord, that, God, we can focus our heart. We can focus our life. We can aim for you above everything else. And Lord, as we aim higher above all the elements, above all the distractions of this world, Lord, and we set our sights on you, God, we'll, we'll clear a lot of the things that we're not stumbling over, we're not struggling with, but we elevate our sight. There's a psalm that says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hill." from which cometh my salvation. And we lift up our eyes to you this morning. We, we set our hearts, Lord, to live a life that, that glorifies you to the praise and the honor of your glory, God. We ask you right now, Lord, to speak to us, to check us, to draw us higher and draw us nearer. Help us to lay aside the weight. Help us to lay aside, Lord, those things, God, that have distracted us. Help us to choose good choices. Make good decisions. Choose to love and not hate. Choose to forgive and not hold on to bitterness. Help us, Lord, to be the people that you're calling for us to be, Lord, that as we go, those that we encounter would know that we have been with you. They would see your manifested glory in our lives, God, because we've surrendered ourselves unto you. Make us a people without excuse as we stand in your presence. As we call upon your name, Lord, let your word become that real in our life. That everything we do is measured by our relationship with you, God. I thank you for each and every one that's here. and I just pray your blessings. God, I pray, God, your strength. I pray, God, that you would give us the direction, order, the steps, Lord. 
Lord, where things need to be said that you would word our mouths. Hallelujah. That, that strongholds can be broken. That, Lord, relationships that need to be cut off would be cut off. Because they're not moving us in the direction that you want us to go. Hallelujah. Help us to trust you, God. To trust you at your word. We thank you for your concern for us is so real. Uh, we give you praise right now in Jesus' name. Amen.